0: All right. Let's get started. Again, once again, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. You have joined the Fluke Reliability Best Practice Webinar Series. My name is Dawn Keata. I am your moderator for today. Um, the session today, we're talking about what we're talking about. What happens after the alignment? Our presenters are Mike Siosis, Chelsea Fiegel. We will meet them a little bit more in detail in one moment. Uh, Again, we have some housekeeping items. We uh, will be answering questions as we go along. And so be sure to use the question box in your control panel. Uh, You'll see that and you can separate that if you want it to be off by itself by clicking that square box with the little arrow and not to be confused with your chat button. So today we'd like to introduce, we have, Next slide. Yep, we have Mike Siosis, who is our technical service and support manager of the Americas. Um, Mike got his uh, mechanical engineering degree from Temple University. He started with Proof Technic in 2009. Right now, he is leading the technical support team for the Americas from Philadelphia. And he has great experience, uh, many, many experiences conducting complex alignments troubleshooting uh, machines, uh, conditions, and also online condition monitoring. He is CAT3 certified for vibration analysis and condition monitoring. And Mike is quite the source of uh, information. So please, as we go along, ask those questions. And we also have joining us today, Ms. Chelsea Fiegel. Chelsea is the service uh, sales team leader for North America. She did join Proof Technic as well in 2015. So these both come from that side of the business. Uh, She is our sales and application engineer. She holds uh, an environmental engineering degree from Penn State. So both of our speakers today live in the Pennsylvania area right now. As you can see also, Chelsea will be moving uh, to Chicago to bring uh, a little more uh, service to the Midwest area. And she has a broad base of expertise in providing reliability solutions through all sorts of industries, including paper uh, all the way through corrugated to steel and film. So without further ado, I believe we have a poll to kick us off first. So the poll uh, question to get you guys engaged. After aligning new equipment before startup, have plans been made to monitor the asset? Okay, so we're gonna launch this and please, as many as you can, please begin voting and you can pick one, please. So 100, well, let's see. Yes, assets will now be collected on our vibration routes. Uh, what we're doing, we're gonna add wireless vibration sensors to the asset right now. Machine is super critical. It is directly wired into the PLC. None of the above options. I do something different, and uh, I don't understand the question. So we've got about 22% of the audience voted so far. I'm going to give it another couple seconds. So please, so that the uh, presenters know, you know, where you stand on some of these things, and definitely can tailor this more toward what your needs are. So. All right. Looks like we have people still voting. Thank you so much. And all right, let's close that up and share the results. So we've got, looks like 62% say yes, assets will now be collected on our vibration routes. 6% are adding wireless vibration sensors to the assets right now. 17% 17% machine is super critical. It's wired into my PLC. Uh, 15% say none of the above and zero don't understand the question. So Chelsea, Mike, uh, any comments on those numbers, kind of what you expected?
1: Kind of what we expected. I think um, the good thing is that everyone understands the question, which is a, which is a positive um the the routes is definitely the most popular um but it is also interesting to see um people doing something different which is why we put the question up here in the first place is that what do what don't we know and so uh we're we're curious to hear as the presentation goes on um what maybe we're talking about aligns or doesn't align with uh, some of the practices by our attendees so um we'll look forward to getting some feedback on this as we uh, proceed
0: great so Chelsea, can we see the uh, deck now? I think. And take it away, Mike.
1: Perfect. So also with right, the agenda Chelsea. here. Oh, oh, Chelsea, go ahead. Chelsea, it's yours.
2: Thank you, Mike. Um, so our agenda for today is going to be covering the service element and alignment as a baseline tool. We'll go over planning to monitor your asset condition and trending the parameters interpreting the data for asset health and lastly we'll cover the rear service elements that we offer that will help you maintain and sustain asset condition so first i want to talk about a little bit what alignment is what we're talking about when we talk about alignment specifically machine alignment and we're talking about the orientation and positioning of equipment relative to other equipment in the plant. And there's a couple different types here. We have shafts, cylinders, and plates, and each one of those components will require a different alignment. For example, shafts will need to be collinear and cylinders parallel. There's both absolute and relative that are needed. And just to be clear, when we say absolute, we are referencing exact positioning. So an exact distance between two different pieces of or two different objects and relative, which is going to be exact orientation. So in the image on the right-hand side, you can see a scenario where both of these may be required. There are some different components going on here. We have roles. This is a top-down view of a coding machine So we have rolls that need to be parallel. We have shafts, probably motors, gearboxes, pumps all over that need to be aligned. And also we need to align, when we align machines, especially new machines, we need to create some kind of datum or reference point, which is typically referred to as the baseline, which is represented by the two dots on the left hand side. So a lot of different aspects of alignment here and a lot of different methods that we can use to make sure that we are aligning machinery. Here are a couple of the traditional techniques that I'm sure you are all familiar with already. There's a tape measure, plumb bob, precision level dial indicator, and optics. And all of these pieces of um, equipment have have their own applications. So definitely not that one is better than the other, but some are more precise than others, and again, Obviously, when cost and um, user experience comes into play, that will help kind of determine when and where you're going to use these methods. Some of the things to consider right away is that the tape measure and plumb bob, they do have low precision. um, And optics also require a line of sight. When we talk about precision alignment, there are new tools entering the market, like the laser tracker, like the Paraline that I will get into, which which offers you a more precise opportunity to align your machinery. Doing it with the laser tracker, there's there's a couple different ways you can do it, and I just want to be clear about the difference between a laser tracker and some of the other equipment that's out there. So the laser tracker is unique in that it is able to obtain measurements in all three dimensions, which is different than traditional methods, which are only able to measure in one dimensional or along a single plane. So the way the process will work is there's a spherically mounted retroflector, which is known as the SMR, and you're able to sweep the SMR around different objects in space and gather data on those objects. You're not limited to um, whether it's a piece of framework, whether it's a roll, whether it's the baseline, like I mentioned, the only limiting factor here is that you need the line of sight to the piece of equipment that you're measuring similarly to how you would need the line of sight with traditional optics either theodolite um, or transit so data points are collected and they're displayed in the corresponding software which is great because you're able to get a you're able to get a visual representation of the objects in a three-dimensional space that's in the similar to cad basically and you can create cad drawings of your machinery and once the coordinate systems are established in the software then you're able to kind of manipulate the measurement results and you can use um, basically any of the data that you've created or collected to see how different components of your machine are aligned whether to baselines whether to earth level whether to if they're perpendicular to each other things like that. So the the application is really unlimited once you've already collected the data in the software. The Paraline, on the other hand, is a unique piece of equipment that you guys may have used in your plant for roll alignment. And this piece of equipment does not require a line of sight, which um, is a great advantage relative to the other methods that we've covered. And the Paraline has three gyroscopes inside the unit, which are situated in um, the X, Y, and Z directions, and they're collecting data as the device is swept over top of a roll. Once those data points are collected, the software then uh, will figure out what the center axis of the rolls are, and you're able to very quickly measure and align your rolls in your machine and be able to make corrections to those to make sure that they're parallel and the web is running properly through the machine. So that product is produced in with better quality and at, and at faster speeds in some cases. So these gyroscopes that are in there are the same gyroscopes that are used in our military aircraft. And again, this is, and I just want to be clear, this paraline is only offered as a service from Proof Technic, whereas some of the other methods that I've already covered, you know, you can buy those, you can buy our laser tracker, so you can use them in-house. Um, or you could always call upon our team to come out with the equipment and perform the service for you. So, there's obviously a difference between precision and accuracy, and you know how I covered some of the traditional alignment methods, they may not be as precise as we need them today. We want our machines to run quicker, um, we want them to produce products at a much faster rate to meet our customer demands. So, it's very important that not only are we aligning the machinery up front, but that we're doing it precisely. And the overall scope of this is to basically um, create a baseline of data. And with the intention, of course, to track that data over time. And upon initial install, I talk about initial installations just because you get to really put in the certain uh, alignment criteria right up front and vibration right up front and set your reliability process up first thing so that you're able to have a clean baseline and track that over time. But that doesn't mean that if you already have an existing machine, you cannot obviously get started on your reliability journey. It's just doing it right away will allow you to um, preserve that asset much longer and extend the life cycle. So here's just a quick example of when alignment fails. and obviously, you know, like I said, with precision and accuracy, these things do happen. I even have customers that call up and um, I'll ask when was, you know, the last alignment done. And in some cases, they do not know. Or the response may be that the alignment wasn't done since the machine was installed to begin with 30 years ago. So um, it's really important, obviously, that we are aligning our machinery. And there are billions of dollars that are wasted a year due to misalignment of machinery. And losing money is never fun. So I touched a little bit on about why alignment should be done during new installs. And and this is really why at the heart of it, right? Because when you do it, you're able to increase the reliability of your assets. You're able to produce better quality and reduce defects. And you're able to increase your run speeds for your machines and decrease power consumption. Proper alignment minimizes waste, downtime, and reduces overall maintenance costs. Mike, over to you.
1: Thanks, Chelsea. Um, I think uh, the real main takeaway there, especially uh, with, with all the work that's being done, is that is having that data, uh, which is kind of the theme of our, of our presentation. Um, And having that as a baseline, having that as something to reference and go back to um, is really kind of empowering for the the process that happens afterwards. So um, we'll kick off this next slide here, Chelsea. Um, And what really happens once you've done the alignment, you've invested all this energy, you've done all this work, you've you've installed the machine, you've had a crew or your own crew come out uh, and and actually do this work. find that a lot of uh, the next steps don't happen uh, which is why we're doing this best practice webinar in the first place and so the the idea with um with all these assets is that you have started them or run them and now they're running and do you have data do you have information on what is actually going on with these units and what are you doing about that data and so uh, kind of a curve here um i mean sometimes this curve is a little shorter as it is longer Uh, hopefully it's very long and uh, you start the machine it runs for a very long time uh, with no problems but at some point ultimately something does happen Um, now the sooner you get a hold of it the cost of fixing it or adjusting it or or sustaining it um, is usually typically lower and so that's why kind of as this curve starts to go toward total failure uh, typically you're looking at Ultimately, either you're going to repair a machine or you're going to replace the machine. And replacing is typically more costly than repair. Um, The kind of along the path here, you get a couple options. Uh, Some of the first and the most common is to check vibration. Uh, Others, like oil analysis and wear, uh, give you another indicator, infrared uh, and thermography. Uh, These are kind of the batch of things that you can use a lot of different tools to collect information with. Um, by the time you get to audible noise or heat, if you can hear, see, or feel um, the machine kind of going wrong, it's too late. You've gone past the point of repair into some type of crisis management, uh, and uh, and it's you've gone too far, uh, to say the least. Now, some things running to running to failure is a defined plan. That's fine if it's defined it's fine, so that everyone's in agreement of what's going on. Um, but everything else, uh, you should have some type of kind of maintenance strategy. Uh, we're going to talk about vibration, um, but that does not mean that uh, wear debris, oil analysis, IR, ultrasound, um, that doesn't mean that those things aren't part of your plan. It also could be part of our poll question uh, that some of the things we listed up there are, or weren't listed up there, are actually some of the stuff that's being done by the, uh, the attendants on this uh, on this webinar. Uh, but the big the big uh, kind of catch-all for a lot of this is vibration. And so once you've installed this machine or you've done the alignment where you've checked it and you're ready to, to start this up uh, and you have a, a baseline kind of data set for its condition upon day one, uh, it's really important to then take that and kind of monitor it as it goes. Uh, and so there's a couple options, um, Chelsea, if you don't mind um, advancing the slide um there's a couple options on what to do uh, but the concept is the same and so just for a brief example here uh, i have this kind of motor pump uh, in the top left corner this yellow blue um, and we just kind of just did some really simple graphics here and so on day one which would be kind of the left hand side you have perfect alignment two units are sitting in the right space uh their center lines are are, um, are matching uh but you kind of hypothesize that maybe there's a drip from the ceiling or something uh, is causing um, some erosion of the base of the motor on the right-hand side and what's happening over time uh, is that this motor is now starting to move away it's moving out of alignment Uh, and so there's two kind of main data sets um, especially with vibration that kind of help to uh, to give you an indication of what's going on we call it like level one level two data level one is like a trend like watching the stock market and uh, kind of going up and down. Level two might be these more complex data sets, uh, spectrums time waveforms, different things like that. Um, both are empowering, both should be done. Uh, but with level one data, this is typically a really good place to start. And so on a day one, you might be taking some vibration readings, they're very low, um, but over time as this deterioration of the foundation is starting to move your machine, You're going to find that as an as this misalignment starts to set in the vibration level is going to increase Uh, and what's going to happen is this trend starts to rise as the problem gets worse you're going to essentially get to a point where the machine is going to either stop running or destroy some component of itself Uh, and at that point your vibration level will probably be at its highest Um, using the trend you can make very powerful decisions about what's going on so you can see in the second graph here by the time the trend kind of passes the yellow you should be out there either checking the alignment, calling Chelsea and her team to have someone come out and take a look at it, uh, or making the correction uh, or, and fixing the root cause of whatever this water leakage or, or, or foundation failure is coming from. Uh, and then at some point that curve should then drive that back down and then the machine's running again. Um, this scenario kind of shows if you're not doing anything where this is going to go. Um, If you're collecting data with some different tools, you might have access to some very specific uh, graphs and and data sets. And so like here with the level two, there's actually some changes in the spectrum here that are indicating exactly what's going on, what type of misalignment might be occurring, the fact that the misalignment might be leading to another failure that starts to then show up in the graph as well. Uh, And so this is what you're trying to uh, kind of put a number to. Uh, So once you've kind of aligned all this and you have these assets in the field, Uh, Do you have a system in place, uh, a plan in place to collect data that gives you this type of information on what to do with your asset? And so, let's take a look at some examples, Uh, so Chelsea, if you could kick it ahead. So from our poll, uh, it looks like most of the team, and this would align with our understanding as well, they're doing route data collection. Perfectly uh, suitable plan. Um, It works for a lot of assets. It's usually done on a weekly, monthly, maybe a quarterly plan. Um, the timing of your route uh, is really based on how critical the asset is. So uh, if you're doing monthly uh, PM routes, then uh, you're looking at data on a monthly scale, which means on a year, you're going to have 12 data points. Uh, but you're doing that because you think that the asset, you'll be able to get the asset's health uh, uh, in, a, in that data, in that time frame, And that timeframe will also allow you to have enough time to make a decision about what to do if something goes wrong. Um, and so it's not uncommon that we see this done monthly. Uh, we see it quarterly as well, depending on the machine. Uh, route collection is done on very critical machines. It's done on some very um, more simplistic or maybe less critical machines, but the plan is a, is a sound one. Um, let's take a look at another option, Chelsea. Yep. Um, for machines that maybe require a little more of uh of overview we're now starting to talk about putting a sensor on the machine so you might have something more permanent like accelerometer you have some wireless options um, that can be that can be mounted to the machine as well you're doing this because you need a little bit more data than what you're getting from the route probably uh and the route you're getting maybe you're doing a monthly so you're getting 12 data points a year something like this uh you're looking at getting a data point maybe every hour every day So now we've taken 12 data points a year up to maybe 365 or more. Uh, And that gives you a much clearer picture of what's going on. It gives you a much more recent picture of what's going on. Uh, And you can make a decision about what to do with the machine at that point. Uh, And so this would be, we're starting to go from maybe something that's a little less critical, maybe semi to critical machines. Something that needs a, I need to know at least during that day or maybe to the hour that this thing is actually okay. And so of course there's the option to put a sensor on the machine with a wire. The wireless option gives you you the flexibility to mount sensors in places that are hard to reach. Or if if you have a route program, uh, there's assets that may be behind guards, they're up in high places, they're they're, um, in dangerous zones. Um, Wireless sensors also are very helpful for that. So you can keep people out of harm's way, uh, so but still collect the data that you need on those assets. Let's go one more slide, Chelsea, if you don't mind. Uh, we'll look at kind of the other part of the polling question is do you have some equipment uh, that you need data nearly constantly? So within the second, uh, or I need I need um, the ability to see some really complex graphs. Maybe, maybe you have some turbo machinery. You have something on a journal bearing. Uh, and so you need to have orbits. You need to have some type of um, uh, high frequency uh, spectrum to see uh, or or long duration time waveforms uh on different pieces of equipment uh this might happen because the speed is changing on the item this might happen because the load or the condition Um, uh, to chelsea's point in different paper mills steel mills you might be running different grades of material you might be running at different speeds uh you might need the flexibility to make some some changes on how the data is collected uh for so like a system like this an online condition monitoring something uh where the sensors are wired in devices wired in Going to your PLC, your DCS, uh, and, and you're getting, you're pushing information maybe to the system from, from, your, um, from your own PLC, but you're also then gathering information from a system like this, uh, like the vibration, the temperature, load, speed, phase, uh, pressure, and all that. And so a system like this, I mean, looking at kind of high value, something that maybe is not redundant, you don't have two of them or three of them. Uh, the complexity, talking about just the different operating conditions. Um, And then also mission critical, which kind of can go against those top three. Uh, If you have a little oil pump that supplies uh, some really big piece of equipment, if the oil pump goes down and everything else goes down, it's mission critical. And so it might not be a very high value item, uh, but it still needs constant attention. And so with these three concepts, so the route, the wireless, and the online condition monitoring, they all have their place um it's we're finding more and more everyone's using everything uh and so uh it's not just one wrench to turn the bolt it's all the sets of wrenches to turn all the different bolts uh, and so these different uh these different systems are very well suited for the different applications uh, and so especially with the alignment i mean you have uh with what chelsea was talking about with roll alignment um you have all these rollers, they're all supported by different bearings. Uh, they're all driven, they, some of them might be driven by different pieces of equipment. Um, all of that ties into this holistic uh, kind of understanding of do I have data on this machine? Do I understand what it's doing? Uh, and then what do I do with this data once I have it? Uh, let's take a look at some examples of the data. So we'll kick another slide. Chelsea, please. So uh, this would be an example of some level two data, so a spectrum. Um, and depending on the system you're using, uh, this can be very ap- powerful for, uh, for detecting the asset health. And so once you've done all this pre-work on the alignments, um, I'm looking at data sets like this to determine, for instance, is the, mis- is the alignment now falling out? Has uh, something, maybe maybe I have a looseness that's now contributing to a misalignment, uh, we could talk about all the rollers in that machine. Do I now have a buildup of material in one of the rollers? the not always causing an imbalance, um, but then would have to be uh, investigated. Um, all of these issues can then also play into, am I starting to lose mechanical seals? Uh, do I have any issues with the bearings now? Uh, I've lost a seal and now I'm losing the grease and now my bearing is starting to fail. Uh, and so these um, technologies are very complementary i mean the the idea that uh, alignment then can be detected by vibration is not uh is not a foreign concept and so um this this type of data is very useful um, from a service perspective there's a lot of uh probably a lot of attendees here that have their own team that can look at this data uh, and interpret it and make decisions um it's also not uncommon that there's a lot of people that outsource this they have professionals that are coming in maybe doing monthly routes uh, and issuing reports and and kind of providing this feedback on what's going on with the machine. Uh, This would be, it's either or, if you have the resources to do it, fantastic. Uh, If you need to source a resource uh, to do it for you, it's also uh, a very common practice or just source uh, that expert uh, when you need them. And so you might be good 90% of the time, uh, but on that case where you get a graph that you don't understand, you get a, a, uh, an asset where the, where the vibration or the characteristic has changed drastically, uh, it's not a problem then to reach out to an expert to get some second opinions. Uh, and so with interpreting this data, um, you then can take that trend that might be increasing, make a change, bring the trend back down, uh, and extend the life. To a condition monitoring strategy, is going to ultimately empower you to keep this asset alive and running for a very long time. So Chelsea, uh, I think I have one more slide. No, no, question. So I'll, yeah. hand, I'll hand this to Don.
0: There we go. Thank you. Um, so the next poll question to the audience and I'll launch it in a second, but you know, when a fault is found and work needs to be done, how are you handling and, and please click as many that apply. So I will launch and it should be coming at you now. So do you handle it fully in-house by your reliability and maintenance teams? Do we pull in outside contractors for most work? Uh, Is it a mix of in-house and contractors? It's complicated case by case basis. And no, I don't believe that no blockers was supposed to be there, but um, you can ignore that one so we have about 30 some percent great thank you everyone everybody's kind of chiming in now Uh, we'll give it about another four seconds awesome thank you everyone so what we're seeing is 58 percent mike uh handle fully in-house 13% we pull in outside contractors, 55% say it's a mix of in-house and contractors, and 24% is complicated. Comments on that?
1: What a spread. Um, So I think uh, it's complicated does not surprise me, uh, hence why we put it up there. Um, The amount of in-house is good. Uh, I think that really kind of shows that there's a lot of companies taking this seriously. Uh, reliability is a big part of, um, of operate the business. And so um, it's easy to bring it in-house. Uh, you're talking about not only like having a team, hiring a team or, or, or training up a team to do that type of work, but also the equipment that's necessary to do it. Um, having everything kind um, of a mix or, 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 or pulling in some contractors to help. I see that, I mean, we see that a lot because there's it's hard to bring the expertise in the house uh, and so I think it's this is an interesting breakdown I think uh, we could actually probably take take a lot of uh, a lot of, kind of what this looks like and, and apply it to some of our um, some of our findings with not only our sales data but also with just our customer into conversations as well so this is very interesting yes
0: thank you next slide. So I think I
2: think,
1: I'll hand, I think it goes to yeah, it goes to Chelsea, I believe.
2: All right. Perfect. Thanks, guys. So, there are some different options whether you're looking to go take your program in house or completely outsource or perhaps uh, a mixture of the two, right? And in certain, in some of those cases where it's base by base. Just to kind of sum everything up here. Um, some of the services that we do offer in addition to the alignment services would be the vibration analysis as mike covered Um, these are integral parts of any condition based and predictive maintenance program we have oil analysis offerings that conduct early bearing wear and ultrasound testing which would be for detecting hidden links in air and gas pressure pipes and vacuum systems so something like the ultrasound Maybe a great complimentary product or even service that you can bolt on um, whether you're buying some tools in upcoming months or if you're scheduling some service work as well. Um, options are pretty flexible and customizable. You may find that if you're just starting your vibration journey, it doesn't make sense right now to completely go in-house just because maybe you don't have the manpower or the resources to do so, or the time to do so. So we offer pretty flexible options to either collect data in-house or outsource it completely. And then again, with the data, because it's two part, either analyzing in-house or outsourcing to us to analyze the data for you. We offer vibration training, that would be ISO CAT certified training. We also have training on all of our products. So keep an eye out for those. I believe we offer those online and in your plant. And we also have adaptable support as your plant needs. Some of the services again from the beginning that we offer, roll alignment with the line, geometrical alignment with the barrel laser tracker and of course shaft alignment with our shaft alignment tools the roto the opt-align etc here's a quick snapshot of our portfolio just to kind of bring everything together so that you can see the complete view of fluke reliability and its operating entities there is a plethora of stuff here so i know it's pretty and Mike and I threw a lot of stuff at you today, but if you guys have any questions, feel free. And we'll be.
0: Oh, Chelsea, sounds like we're losing you a little bit there. There we go. Can you hear Thank- me? Yeah, we can hear you. Um, So, wow, you guys ran through that information pretty quickly. Thank you so much. Give us a, a nice foundation. Um, one question that has come in um, from one of our audience members is, you know, how do you do an alignment uh, on many rollers using the power line? So I don't know how deeply you want to go into that um, or, you know, contact later. That's up to you guys.
2: Sure. Yeah, I can briefly provide an answer. So as long as you can still hear me. Okay. Yeah. Um, so for, yeah, great. So doing... The alignment uh, for a lot of rolls with the Paraline. it's kind of it's it's kind of the whole purpose of having the Paraline as an option here because of its speed and its ability to not need a line of sight to measure rollers, it really stands out um, in the field. So anywhere, I mean, depending on industry of course and how how many, how wide the rolls, how big the rolls are, um, you can measure anywhere from 50 to 80 rolls in the paper paper industry to over 300 in the converting industry in a single day. So there's a lot of, um, there's, a, there's a huge advantage, I would say, to using the Paraline. And, and not only that, then tying in the laser tracker as well. So with the Paraline, you kind of, you're able to collect data quickly for parallelism of the rollers. And then you want to add in also that absolute distancing aspect right that we're talking about for alignment and you're able to do that with the laser tracker so combining those two technologies together creates basically um an untouchable opportunity to create precision alignment in your plant for every single component of your machine so i'll kind of leave it at that and if there's more questions about that i'll go further
0: sure Nope, that's great. And maybe Chelsea, if you go back one slide with the listing of all the services, maybe it'll help kind of make sense of these and services and products and so forth. So um, there is another question. Um, We talked a lot about data, data points, data collection um, and the analysis service. There's a question of clarity and how do you report the findings? Do you use an online dashboard and maybe talk a little bit more about what exact points we're reporting on?
2: Would that be for alignment or vibration?
0: Uh, it just says data collection for your analysis service. It doesn't say either one. Just speak
1: to I'm both. I'm going to
2: assume that's I cover a vibration.
1: vibration. <laughs> <laughs> I've covered, Chelsea, i cover from the alignment side first. I'll, I'll do the vibration side. Okay. Um,
2: for alignment, um, There's a couple different ways that the information is portrayed. For Paraline specifically, it's going to be with the corresponding software on a laptop, so it's communicated via Bluetooth. Um, The client that schedules a service would receive a two-dimensional readout of the vertical and horizontal offsets for each role at the end of the service, and then a follow-up report is sent a few days later showing how the roles moved right from initial position to end position and also with the Faro, just because of the Faro laser tracker and it's more cumbersome software it's able to it depends on kind of how the client wants to view the data that was collected so there's very many different ways like i said that you can utilize that software Um, but it really just depends on what you're looking to analyze there so i'll kick it over to you mike to talk about vibration
1: data yes the the vibration data side um we we've had a um uh we we can provide this in many different ways it's also uh, displayed in many different ways uh there's a couple dashboard systems so digital dashboards um where you're looking at the asset you might see some trends uh an actual um kind of maybe live readout from what's going on um i think the definition of reporting kind of gets turned into two things actually being handed a physical report uh and also actually maybe visualizing on a dashboard but that also gets construed as as reporting i'd say that both for me i understand both definitions i think that we treat them as such as well um and so there's dashboard systems Um, There's also the ability with different devices to push data to a dashboard that, like the customer might have, SCADA system or or something like that. Uh, And so there's a lot of open protocols with Modbus, MQTT, Profinet, uh, different systems that we can take data and then push it to uh, to a a, a DCS so that uh, you can see this data uh, kind of on, on whatever system might be already existing. Um, a lot of times, the limitation there with that type of reporting is that your uh, those complex level two graphs, they don't really move through those data streams. They're too complex. So you're looking at integers, just numbers, um, so you might see that maybe the overall vibration went up, speed went down, temperature went up, or down, and so those integer numbers can move between the systems, no problem, but uh, if you're looking at... Um, maybe uh, like a, like a hot shot report, like something went wrong and you had someone come in and look at it kind of um, very rapidly. Uh, those are typically like a paper report or a digital report. You might see some level two data with some markers on it. Uh, so it's showing maybe which, which frequencies are being highlighted and what they indicate the failure might be. Uh, so whether you have maybe a, an imbalance, a looseness, maybe some, maybe a bearing frequencies in there uh, that are now uh, present because the bearing is starting to fail. Uh, those type of reports um, are, are a little more maybe formal uh, because of how they have to be written and the amount of detail that might be there. Uh, and so I, I would say there's kind of the two types of reporting either is some type of dashboard system, which can be either static or live, uh, and then something more complex, which is a, with the with the level two data that has to be more explained um, and highlighted in different ways. And so it's not uncommon that like, I mean, it, it actually might be even necessary that to detect the fault, I'm pulling data from sensors that are all over the machine. So that each sensor is seeing from a different perspective, maybe even a sensor on another machine is helpful because it might be telling me something about uh, maybe the fault is so bad that it's actually present on another machine as well. Uh, And so that type of data typically has to be kind of written out. Uh, And then the frequency of something like that would be discussed with the customer.
0: Great. I appreciate that. And um, the another question that came in is, you know, I, I see all these other options, but I'm not seeing thermography um, on the slide. Is there any reason why?
1: I, I'll take this one. Um, I mean, the focus of our uh, we had a time frame, so I think we kept it to uh, to within vibration um and uh thermography is definitely a technique and science that needs to be deployed uh for reliability um and there's we didn't cover it here uh we'd be happy to do a presentation that maybe solely looks at that uh because there is a lot of content uh, there as well uh and so but we we just didn't cover it in the scope of this presentation but, uh, but we could in the future
0: No, great. Thanks for that question, Helmy. I kind of responded that way, and um, that's a webinar all on its own, I think, right? I would think so, yes. (laughs) So great. Um, I have another one. This is fantastic. Thank you, Mike and Chelsea. Um, We have still about uh, 12 minutes left, so... But um, is there a recommended uh, alignment schedule for specific types of machinery? You know, have you guys, you know, while you're out there, uh, is there anything like a certain asset that you can say, yes, we need to do this every six months or any type of best practices that you've seen, you know, repeat and and where we can say, yeah.
2: Yeah, sure. I can. I can answer from my perspective and experience in the field usually I talk about this in terms of industry type. So, whereas you might have more often shutdowns or shorter shutdowns more often in paper and steel industries, um, you might have, let's say a corrugator, for example, will shut down every weekend or film can kind of shut down on a dime. So it really just depends on the industry. Um, but, you um, That's helpful. I lost my train of thought now. Hold on. (laughs) Okay, so it depends on I'm just going to tie in the vibration stuff to this, right? Because if you're already monitoring your machines, it's great because it can indicate if an alignment is needed. So that would be best case scenario. Worst case scenario is that you kind of run until you see maybe issues with your product or issues with uh, a reoccurring failure in one of your assets that might be an indication, right, that you would do it. But if things are all running well and fine, I always recommend probably annually for most industries because uh, you never know if you're doing a lot of roll change-outs, if you're having a component change-out or you're doing an overhaul or replacing some kind of part of the machine. It's definitely critical to do that alignment right up front. So it really just depends, um, and it depends on tolerance. So, if you have a much tighter tolerance, then you would probably be doing doing alignments more often than not. Whereas in film, for example, in bag making, where tolerance is not as tight, you could get away with having roles maybe not aligned so often um, and and have and really see no problem in the product they you're making. So it really just depends. I would say, Don. But maybe Mike, if you have a different uh, perspective on that, I'd be happy to turn it over to you and hear what you have
1: to say. The only thing I would hammer home is, uh, so it's been, I, I, um, maybe it's been a little while since I've done some of these alignments, but I, I know with, um, just thinking back, the number of times that we myself got called out uh, because it was the customer that recognized there was a problem with the product. And so like, it was that worst case scenario that you're highlighting that like by the time it was it was, It was not proactive, it was not preventative, it was reactionary and it was crisis. Uh, And so there was something wrong. And even worst case was that the product that they were making was being sent to another person and they rejected it. And so it was at that stage that they go that we have have a problem. Uh, And so I think pushing that home is that like, we're talking, they might've had some data, they didn't make the right decisions. They might not have had data at all. So they're kind of flying blind. But I can just recall the numerous times that that's happened. I think that's a really that's a bad place to be. Um, And the and the and I it's kind of it it doesn't have to be that way. There's a lot of different technologies out there right now that can empower you uh, at across all different price points and functionalities and and skill sets that really make that type it should be obsolete that that kind of issue mostly uh, like that. Uh, you shouldn't be waiting for someone to, re- to reject your product before you start to analyze what's going on with your machine. Uh, and so I, I leave that there, of course, uh, but uh, but I agree with Chelsea's a lot
0: of logic on, on all of that. Yep, oh, that's great. Thank you. Um, so one more. And so we talked a little bit you know, about critical assets, less critical, you know, how do I decide... Well, what machine is critical versus less critical, and and where to start? Who wants that one? I give you
1: the Chelsea first.
2: All right, Chelsea first. All right, Mike. Thanks for putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> when it comes to alignment, uh, I would always suggest, you know, at least from what I hear from my clients, is that we're going to be looking to align the machines that make the most money, really, right? So it really just depends on how often you're running the machine um, and uh, I guess how, yeah, just how often you're running it and how much money the machine is making for you would probably decide which one's most critical and which one you wanna spend the most time on during your shutdowns, that's what I would say.
1: I would, I'll add to that is that I think we kind of see two different things that could, that, that happen first is that someone looks at the machine that costs the most money uh, to keep running or, or is generating most money to Chelsea's point uh, or the second one is the one that's causing those problems uh, is that someone goes I don't know what's going on with this thing and I need to start collecting data on it to see what's going on um, and so I would say primarily a lot of the discussions start on those two kind of polar ends of the, of the spectrum um and and then kind of works its way inland uh as it's like well what else can we look at and uh what else then like once we've kind of got the bad actors or the expensive thing like what else in the middle can we expand this project to to cover so um i don't think that's a bad practice um though it's it's maybe a little short-sighted because it's like well you have to make a decision on what is the the most expensive or the money generating machine um, and you can make mistakes and miss some stuff that maybe is not uh, directly in your field of view, but it's also critical, So, but, um, but you have to start somewhere. Uh, and, and, and if the bad actor is causing you a lot of pain that day, you should pay, you should pay attention to that. Um, if you're being uh, kind of mandated to deploy uh, condition monitoring in some sense, and you don't know where to start, uh and this is just a new project for you i would say then you start with the thing that would cost you the most uh to repair and so from it depends on kind of the uh, maybe how you got into the conversation in the first place if some piece of equipment crashed and caused just a very painful moment for for you and the team that's probably where you start first if it's coming kind of from the top down or or or, or being initiated by the the reliability team they're like hey we should take on some new technology to empower us with different um, data sets then you kind of maybe start with saying what's working right now and how do we make sure it stays that way so that would be my um my feedback
0: and that that's all really good feed uh feedback and i i believe that there is there's also experts within fluke reliability that we have an asset criticality service that we can also deploy on site and so forth that we can you know talk through those determine those goals, right? What's the organization's goals? How did we get here? Like Mike and Chelsea both said. So um, one more, I keep saying that, but they keep coming in. So thanks again, audience. Um, what is the best argument to provide to operations that the equipment should be stopped after alignment to perform a new check?
1: Mm. Yeah. I won't put you on the spot this time, Chelsea. Unless you know, unless you have something to contribute immediately.
2: That's okay. Say say what you're thinking, and I'll I'll chime in then.
1: Um, so I think so. If if you need um, confidence, or or if you need some type of justification uh, to say that something has changed, or something's up, or something, um, this this I think is where you, it's the power of statistics. Really, it's the data and so if you if you are looking at something and something just isn't right um, if you're looking at one data point like for instance with this route collection if you collected one data point on the first month of your of your route collection and you look at it and you say i don't know what this means but it doesn't look good um that's a really hard place to stand and defend the position from with one data point um if you have many so like if you're if you're trending data more cons uh, more constantly You have data points that are on the minutes or the hour and you now all of a sudden over the last seven days you have seven times 24 hours i mean you have hundreds of data points to then look at this and say no our trend is increasing um coupled this with maybe some contextual information that maybe if it is the paper if it's a paper mill or something that's creating a product we say hey our trend is increasing and our yield is going down something is wrong Uh, this is where data it's very data. And so I would, I would say that if, um, and, and, and it's not uncommon, unfortunately, that a lot of um, people call us and they say, I have, I have two graphs. I don't know what they mean. I say, you need more data you to collect more. We don't know what, we don't know if you have the, the most accurate data set. We don't know if you're collecting it the right way, um, but we can use statistics to help us empower that. So that would be my comment is uh, is collect more, and that'll help you uh, stand in a really, a really good spot to, to, to make good decisions.
0: Yeah, that's good advice and we just keep hearing that. The more that we can paint that picture for operations, leadership, um, they, they you can't deny it, right?
1: If, if you wanna take it from outside of this reliability and maintenance perspective, um, would you buy a stock? How would you buy a stock? Would you wait to see if the price stays low? Is it going up, is it going down? You're going to look at data uh to try to make that decision because it's like hey i'm not gonna buy this when it's been sitting at the highest level for a long time uh and you don't want to look at one day's worth of data you want many months and so like that's analogous to the same situation is that has it been running this way for just today or has it been running this way for a long time Uh, and so i would say that the mentality is the same you would you would want more data if you were going to buy something uh, and, and the team's going to want more data if they're going to stop the machine to take a look at it.
0: Absolutely. Great closing thought there. Chelsea, anything um, as we wrap up here? Any
2: closing thoughts from you? Um, yeah, just one. <clears throat> I see also in, in this latest question, it seems like maybe it's coming from a reliability focused point of view. And they need something to kind of convince their operations team to stop the machine, to do the alignment and to check, verify where the alignment is at. And that's really difficult when especially when you have machines that are need to run 24 7 you know kind of like we talked about it's so hard to schedule downtime and it's really kind of that fight right between the scheduling team and the maintenance team and so um i think the main things that focus on there would be right safety and cost too right because if you install a new piece of machinery or place a roll or some anything like that, and you're changing the components of the machine and you're not doing an alignment check and you're not staying down long enough to verify where things have been placed, well, then you open up the opportunity, right? The door to more risk, essentially, where things may, you know, things you might have thought they were installed right and they aren't, and then things break, they cost more money people are there fixing them, maybe there are safety concerns around that because it was a really hard job to begin with just. So I would recommend um, when having, trying to have that argument with operations is just really information and knowledge and just explaining, you know, <laughs> the importance of doing these kinds of things upfront. So, and I think, I hope what we talked about today kind of covered some of that.
0: Yeah. That was- Fantastic, thank you, Chelsea. And if you can advance to the next slide, guys, we are actually uh, out of time, and so we're going to talk about the next webinar coming up on October 6th. Um, we'll be with Jake Moselwitz. He uh, he's presented for us at Accelerate, um, and his uh, discussion will be why we can't proceduralize everything. You know, we're humans, and you know, we really go into this uh, adaptable system versus mechanistic, and it's it's really a great way of looking at human behavior. So, I encourage you to join us on that one, uh, it should be interesting. So, and then again, please, as we uh, close out today's session, you will see the survey come through. Please take some time to fill that out. There's an area for you to put in um, areas that you'd like to be covered. Uh, for example, the thermography piece that we talked about, put that in the comments there. And again, if you want a certificate, please also identify that. You like to speak to one of our uh, experts? Fantastic. Put that in there as well. Um, you will also receive a follow-up with the link to the recording and the PDF. The you also have the opportunity to request demos. So use your resources. And thank you so much to our presenters today, Chelsea and Mike. Great information. I've learned a lot. I hope you guys have uh, out there as well. So we'll see you again October 6. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.